Hello, and welcome to Revolution 22's teaching podcast. We are a church from the downtown area in Boise, Idaho. Thank you for joining us today and hearing this week's sermon. We pray that God's word will be received and will bear fruit in your life. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12. We finally did it. Almost a year later, starting this book, we got to the section that the elders really wanted to work through as a church, and that was the gifts of the Spirit. If you remember, we're in a section in Corinthians. If you don't have a Bible, you can slip your hands up. The ushers will grab one for you as well. But we're in the section of Corinthians where the Apostle Paul, inspired by God, is is laying out, kind of responding to a bunch of questions really about order in the church, order within the church. We talk about order with authority and order with the Lord's Supper, and then now he's going to work. The next three chapters really specifically are on order of the gifts, and what is what does the gifts mean? And, and as a church, one of the reasons why we really wanted to go and dig into this section of Scripture, why we really wanted to work through this stuff, was because as a church, we are all over the board. As a small C church, and I guess you could say as, as a whole church, we're all over the board when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. You have here at this church, we have people that I would say are are full sensationists. They believe that the gifts don't apply to the post-apostolic church. They're, they're not really here. They're not playing. There's not a role. And then we have a bunch of people that I would say that are like peg the charismatic table. Like there is just like everything is going every which direction. And then we have everything in between. And what, what is sad to me, when you look at something like the gifts, the, the intent of the gifts was never meant to be divisive. But the church in Corinth is divided over these gifts. What's happening culturally is the people in Corinth are using the gifts to look down on other people if they aren't experiencing those specific ones, and they're dividing the church as a whole. And that's the same thing if you look today at the church as a whole. We're we're divided. There are denominations founded by specific gifts. And people that would, would not commune together because of whether or not they believe this or they don't believe this. And so what we wanted to do today is, is kind of what we think what the scriptures show us is, is it kind of creates order around the gifts. So let me give you kind of just an analogy. There's a, let's just picture for a second this, this beautiful playground. This is this great playground that's sitting on top of this really, really high spot. And on every side of the playground is a 300-foot cliff that goes down, like straight down. And if you're stuck on like, wait, why would they put a playground? It's just a story, okay? Don't, don't get stuck there, okay? But, but what happens is you have people that are on up there, they're, they're interacting and they're moving, they keep falling off the cliffs because they're chasing the football and they fall off the cliff and they die. And I know it's a horrible story, right? And then you have, you have people that literally, because of fear of falling off the cliff, they just stand still in the middle of the playground. They don't move, they don't know what to do. They, they wanna play, but they don't know what to do because they're afraid that if they go too far, they'll fall off. Or they have the helicopter parents, you know, they're like, don't go off that way, right? Like they have this kind of situation. This text and the way that we see gifts in the scripture, especially through 1 Corinthians, all it really does is it puts a fence up around the cliffs. It allows the people that, that have maybe gone a little too far outside of the scripture and have fallen off the edge because they've gotten extra biblical to kind of run into a fence. It gives them a guardrail to keep from falling off and allows those that are in the middle clinging to a piece of equipment going, I can't do anything to let go and, and maybe be emboldened. And really that's, that's what I think the scriptures are meant to do. That's what the scriptures are to do. And that's what the point of the scriptures is, is to create order in the gifts so that those that are like emboldened or, or feel like they've, they've experienced the Lord in a, in a mighty way through, through scripture or they've 
they've, they've experienced the gifts of the Spirit, that they can then operate in an orderly way that's for the common good of the body. And those that are here today that are like, man, I don't know whether you believe in them or not, or you're just afraid of them, or experientially you haven't experienced any, and you're just kind of clinging to something going, I, I don't know, I'm not comfortable, it's, it's not there, to loosen the grip and say, okay, God has a purpose for these. And that's really what we see through Corinthians, the next three chapters, 12 through 14, is, is this is how it's supposed to work. So today, we're just gonna kind of set up the fence for the rest of the next couple months in, in Corinthians in this text. So let's go ahead and read in 1 Corinthians, verse one out of chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everything. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, what was happening in Corinth is that, if you remember real, real quickly, it was mainly predominantly Gentile People. There wasn't any Jewish descent necessarily, and they were kind of worshiping all sorts of false idols as in pagan worship and pagan idols. And enduring the form of pagan idolship, what would happen is there would be something like spiritual tongues or something like tongues being used. And what had happened is a lot of the people that were converted into Christianity, that surrendered their life to Jesus Christ, were bringing that pagan ritual into the ceremony in an unorderly way. And what was happening is they were then looking on themselves as greater than those that could speak in that language or in that tongue. And so this is, this is what's happening. There's a division happening, and they're saying this. And he's saying, look, you guys, you guys were led astray. You followed pagan idols. They were mute idols. Why were they mute? Because they didn't respond. They're not living and active like our God. And you were led astray. And your understanding of the gifts of the Spirit, your understanding of the spiritual things, they were very spiritual people, your understanding is skewed, and it's, it's, it's bled in. It's actually a view of pagan belief, and you're trying to make that apply and work in the Scripture to the one true God. And that's what's happening in Corinth, and it's not much different than what's happening today. Many people are, are trying to use gifts as a leverage point as to whether or not you are or aren't saved or whether you are or aren't enlightened. And every single person, here's the thing, we are a spiritual people. People love to see miraculous things. There's YouTube channels that go on and on and on about something that's unexplainable. We want to see something miraculous. We want to experience the miraculous things. And he's saying, look, you guys were led astray. You've been led astray because the gifts, the gifts, the way that God intends them, you're using them completely wrong. There needs to be an order around it. We need to create a fence so that people stop falling off the cliff and that so people can loosen their grip from clinging to that one piece of equipment in the middle of the park. There has to be order in this. And there's a purpose. And we see the purpose at the very end is it's for the common good of all. So if this gift is divisive, if this gift is, if this gift is being used to, to separate the community of God, then you're, you're, not, you're using it wrong. It's not, it's not being done correctly. And he says, you guys have, have been doing this. You've been falling a prey to this. And then he kind of gives a litmus test to like, well, this is how you know if, if a gift or a spirit is of God versus not. He says, no spirit of God would say that Jesus is a curse. Now, we actually don't really have any history that points to the fact that, that this was something that people were saying in the church. There's really no understanding of this. A couple of scholars, a bunch of theologians kind of understand or think that it's, it's more along the lines of basically some Jews believe that because Jesus was crucified, he would have been accursed. And so that's maybe something that was being said or spoken. Others say that, that because to, 
to follow some of the pagan beliefs, you would say that you're accursed, or some would say that even the Apostle Paul himself, when he was Saul, would have been perpetuating that statement, saying that Jesus is cursed. You can't follow him before he was converted into Christianity. Again, we don't necessarily know, but the primary point is the second one, which is you can't say Jesus is Lord unless the Spirit of God does that in you. Now, a quick understanding or disclaimer, like obviously anyone can say, well, Jesus is Lord. But to truly believe it and surrender your life to, to do that, that is, that is not something that comes from someone who is not a submitted follower of Jesus Christ. And here, here's why this is pr- provocative. In this day, Jesus is Lord is not merely a statement of theological conviction, but of personal allegiance, okay? It's, it's the fundamental early Christian confession of faith. We see that in Romans 10, 9. This was also a politically loaded affirmation in the context of the Roman Empire, where the title was expected to be attributed to Caesar. So when someone says that Jesus is Lord, that means that Caesar is not. And just about 10 years after this book is written, that's punishable by death. And he goes on and says, it says, it says this, um, I wrote in my notes this way, it says, flying both in the face of pagan affirmation of some, other deity or emperor as God and master, and in the face of Jewish insistence that Yahweh alone merited the title. You won't proclaim that Jesus is Lord unless the Spirit of God opens your heart to that. It's the Spirit of God that does the work in this, and we want to take ownership in them. We don't do these things. Oh, I did this. It's, no, no, the Spirit of God is at work, and, and no matter where you stand theologically on salvation, everyone recognizes that any good that's done is through the Spirit of God in us. Once more, something we have to understand about the Spirit of God, when you look at Jesus's life, we look at Isaiah and all the promises of Scripture. It says that Isaiah will pour, he says he will, God will pour out his Spirit on his, his people. His Spirit will be poured out. We look at Jesus. When Jesus walks this earth, he, he comes, he lives 30-ish years, and then all of a sudden there's this moment where John the Baptist baptizes him, and the Spirit of God descends on him like a dove. And in that moment, he goes right from there. The Spirit of God, listen to this, leads him. He's led by the Spirit of God to the wilderness to be tested. And he's, he's tested out there. And everywhere he's going, everything he's doing out there, he's, he's living by the Spirit. And then when he comes out of that, he comes back. And what does it say? He goes, by the power of the Spirit, preaching and doing the good news. So what does Jesus accomplish on this earth? He accomplishes everything by the Spirit of God. When Jesus humbled himself into human form. Yes, he's fully God and fully human, but when he humbled himself in the spot, the power that Jesus has wasn't, wasn't something that he could just make up. It was the Spirit of God that had descended on him. Everything that Jesus did was the Spirit of God. And then we go into Luke, we go into Acts and we see that we are just a continuation of what God has already begun. We are now able to move forward as little Christ with the Spirit of God to move forward. So everything when it comes to gifts and spirit and all those things is done by God. It's about his spirit. It's about what he does. The point of the spirit, too, when you look at scripture, Jesus says this in John 15, 26. He says, he will testify of me. The spirit of God, the Holy Spirit will testify of me. This is what Jesus proclaims. He also says the same thing in John 16, 14. He says, he will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. This is the promise of what the Spirit's gonna do. He's saying, look, the point of the Spirit is to testify and to point to Jesus Christ. So why then as a church do we try and make the point of gifts about the gift? Like think about how offensive that is to the Spirit of God when his whole primary purpose is to, is to leverage and point and glorify Jesus Christ. And we wanna take the very gifts he's given us and the very things he's doing and we wanna make them about the gifts or divide ourselves as if, God is divided? This is why we have gotten this so wrong as a church, as a whole. 
We've allowed something that God intended to be a unifying thing, that God intended when the body of Christ operates within the giftings of the Spirit in a very beautiful and profound way, this is when people in this world go, that's what God looks like, and I want to be a part of it. And instead, we've taken the gifts, and we've used them as opportunities to divide or to think less than, or we've sought after the gifts as if the gifts were really the primary purpose, when really all of 12 through 14, it's not about gifts, it's about the Spirit of God. That's what this is talking about. He's saying you were led astray. The Spirit's purpose is to proclaim the goodness of Jesus Christ. So what does that leave us? In verse four, he goes on. First off, I guess I should go back real quickly. <laughs> this is important. In the very beginning, it says, now concerning most of our translations say spiritual gifts. The word gifts has been added. Nowhere in scripture are those two words actually put together. The word gift is added. Spiritual is a big Greek word, an adjective that's used that essentially means spiritual things or potentially a spiritual person if it's used in a masculine sense. And so we added gifts thinking this. Now, the reason why that's important is when you see spiritual show up anywhere in Scripture, what the New Te- especially in the New Testament, spiritual means a manifestation of the Spirit. It means a working of the Spirit of God. So when we see that, we say a working of the Spirit of God and then our translators have added in the word gifts. And so the, the, the downside and the danger to putting that is, is then, then this is why we divide as a church. Well, because they're, they're super spiritual and they're gifts. It's like, no, we, we threw in gifts there. Now there are gifts and, and they are a work of the spirit. But when we put those two together, we all of a sudden elevate it. And here's the issue. You look at one gift, so someone says, well, prophecy, oh my goodness, it's so spiritual. If you can prophesy or, or speak in tongues or, or you, you've seen healing, well, you know what other gifts are said? Encouraging. Oh, man, you can speak prophecy and you can speak in tongues. Oh, you're, you're encouraging. Right? There's not as, like, people don't get as wound up. There's definitely not people seeking out opportunities to see the Spirit work in encouragement. Most people are going, I want to see something miraculous. I want to chase down these really big ones. And, and the point is, is that all of the gifts, all of the gifts come from the Spirit of God. And the purpose of the gifts is for the common good of the church. We also see in scripture that the purpose of the gifts is to bear fruit, and we also see that the purpose of the gifts is to continue the ministry of Jesus Christ. But when we make the gifts about one specific thing and it being so spiritual, so powerful, we then get ourselves in a spot of dividing, which is the very thing the church in Corinth is doing, and the very thing as a church where today we continue to perpetuate, which is this gift is really cool, this gift isn't. And this gift, if you have this gift, then you're really, really amazing. But if you don't, you're just, you're just second then. And that's just, not, that's just not what God does through Corinthians. The next text kind of makes this point out. He says here in verse four, he says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. So he goes in, he says, there are, there are a variety of gifts. Now, gifts, has, gifts are there. We have Romans 12. We see a couple different places in Scripture that they list out specific. These are the gifts of the Spirit. And we, we see them kind of working there. Each of the list is slightly different. And each of the list is, it includes some that others don't. And so most scholars, most theologians believe, like, and this is, a, and understand there's a dangerous this, but it's not really an exhaustive list. And we have to be careful because we can make everything a gift of the Spirit. And that's not what I'm saying here. Really, when it comes to gifts, it's, it's something that 
that God has in first believing or coming or surrendering to Jesus Christ that he has given us to use as a tool. It's him doing it in us for the common good of building up the church. It's, it's us working together in this way. Now, what do we say if you see someone that's just really good at something? They are so, one, well, come on, they are so gifted, right? We use this word. We see this. Now, here's the thing. God creates in people, and we see this across the board, and this is why we have to be careful about each of the gifts and what God is doing. We see this across the board. God takes someone, you know this, maybe it's in your own life, where God has given you something that most people look and go, wow, you're really gifted at that. But you used it for your own purposes, and then salvation came, and God reappropriates it and uses that. That's not just what the gifts of the Spirit are. There are definitely gifts of the Spirit where God brings in something and makes it very powerful. We use the example, God says that, that, that service is a gift. Service is a gift. Okay, I hold the door open for someone gifted in service. That's not what that means, right? But there's an extra appropriation or there's a way when I can serve that uncommon reactions can happen within the body of Christ that would bring glory to God and would build up the church. That's how it's gifted and moved. Yes, there are talents and you have talents. Many of you are grown with some of you are musically talented, but that talent could be used for your own purposes all day long. But I would still say this, it says, Scripture tells us in Psalms that Jesus, or that God and Jesus knit you together in your mother's womb. He put you together. So in the fiber of your DNA, if you find yourself inclined to doing well at something, I would still say that God gifted you with that. It's not necessarily the gifts of the Spirit like we're saying here, but like we found out earlier in Corinthians, we are supposed to do everything to the glory of God. Everything. So if you are a really gifted plumber, well, darn it, go plumb for God. Okay. And then there are, there are gifts. There are ways that, the God, that God will manifest the Spirit in a way to us that is, that is uncommon, that is miraculous, that will cause us to go, man, something that is outside of anything I can even communicate or confirm will happen. And it's not that we then go, wow, you must have this gift. We go, wow, look what the Spirit of God did for you for the building up of the church. The problem is we want to look at that one person we want to make it about them, and we want to make it about the gift. You see people in my position, preachers, making it about this. If you're here today and you're like, man, this sermon was so great, and you come and high-five me, and I'm like, yeah, it was all me, we failed as a community. If you are being challenged or encouraged or admonished, it's because God says the Scripture will do so, and the Spirit of God is living and active, and He's, at act- he's in actively working in your hearts right now. It's not me. If it happens then I can praise God that he used a gift that he gave me to build up his body and his community. It has nothing to do with me. I just need to be surrendered to what he wants to do and submit myself to him and give him the glory for all the good. The next one he says is, he says, so there are many gifts and we're gonna talk about those extensively. Don't worry, we're gonna get in those next week. But then he goes on and says, there are services. Um, another way to say this word is, is ministry. He says, there's services, but one Lord, the same Lord. So we see in this, first off, that we see the same Spirit, same Lord, same God. We see the Trinity all in one working together. It's all one God, all the purpose. And we say, we see ministries or services. Now, this is best to be described or understood as serving. So he says, look, the, the gift of serving, the gift, the God, God is gonna give you gifts and you're gonna use them to serve primarily the body of Christ. So when you serve, you are working and operating through your gifting, hopefully. And so you're like, well, I don't really feel gifted to change baby diapers, but I do it every week in the nursery. 
That doesn't, you might not be gifted in that way. That's fine. But if you have a gift of service and you're moving and the spirit is working, then it's a good thing. And every single one, you hear me on this, every single one of you that are followers of Jesus, whether you attend this church or you attend another church, whatever church you attend, you are supposed to be serving. Because when we all serve, the variety of gifts show up. And what do people see? They see God. When people choose not to serve, we, we leave holes because God has you a part of this kingdom or as part of, part of his kingdom and a part of this church for a purpose to serve his kingdom and to make much of his name. And so this is saying, look, there's many ways to serve. You can open a door. You can, you can serve in music. You can serve in teaching, but all of them are supposed to happen and everyone's supposed to be doing it. And preferably every single one of you are doing it in a way that you've been gifted. And it's the leadership's job. It's the leadership's role to help you define and help you work in those, but it's on all of us to make an effort to earnestly seek ways that God can use the gifting that he has given us for the glory of him. That's what he says when he says ministries. He says, look, there's many gifts. There's many ministries. And the next one is, is, is a little bit different. He says, there are many activities. Now, this word is the same word that's used down in 8 through 11 when he starts talking about the different ways that gifts play out. And so the best way to understand this is activities or deeds, kind of the stuff that God does. It's, it's the moments when the Spirit of God is active and working. So we could say that when someone is healed, the activities of the Spirit of God happen in that moment. You could potentially not have the gift of healing, but the, the, but the work happened because the Spirit was active in that moment. And that's what he's talking about, these, these uncommon moments, these activities where like, whoa, what happened? An activity like this would be when you're sitting down and having a conversation with someone, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you, you drop wisdom that you know you didn't study, you didn't read, and you don't have, but was directly from the Lord. That's an uncommon activity that happens because the Spirit of God is doing something in there. We want to start going, well, if it happens once, it must be our gift. Well, which gift does Peter have then? He raised someone from the dead. <laughs> awesome. He preached. Thousands came to faith. Awesome. He healed. He had all of them. Why? Does he have all the gifts? No. The Spirit of God was at work through him in submission to him, and God does it. So any one of us at any moment can experience, when we're surrendered to God, we can experience God do something miraculous through his Spirit because we have the Spirit of God living in us, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same Spirit that Jesus accomplished, all of the ministry that we saw and read about in the Gospels, that's in us when we surrender to Jesus Christ. So activities is just moments. It's, it's opportunities where, where miraculous powers are showing up in moments and we see incredible things, but it's the same God. So whether it's a moment, whether it's a gift, or whether it's a service or, a, or a, an office would be another way to look at that. We see in Ephesians 4 that the, the, the gift of office, again, in, in that we don't, not all the offices are listed. We, we see apostles and teachers and, and we don't see anything about elders or, or deacons or any of those other things. So, so again, we have to assume that those lists are elsewhere, but each of us is to serve. We're to use these gifts and they're supposed to be for his glory. Things that we have to understand and establish as we move forward for gifts. I, I think we kind of did already differentiate a little bit between gifts and talents. Every talent you have, I believe, is a gift from God. When you are surrendered to Jesus as a child of God, you get a gift, a, a gift of the Spirit that will be used. And every single follower of Jesus has a gift. No one doesn't. And, and the Lord will not revoke those things from you. We see that in, in Corinthians as well. But this is, this is a gift. So everyone has it. But talents, they're still, whether you're just, man, I'm just really good at working with my hands. or I'm really good at, at these things. Do it for the glory of God. 
and watch the common good still be done because the Spirit is not limited to what you do or don't do. He's not, the Spirit is not, not waiting for you to go, okay, well, I'm just gonna, I'm only gonna wait until there's this one specific gift that happens to be the seven that were listed in here or maybe the few that were listed in, in Romans 12, but if I don't see any one of those, I can't do anything. No, the Spirit of God is saying, move, make disciples, work, go preach, evangelize, be salt and light. That's the command of his children and watch him do things. So we have to understand that there are different things. Another thing that we have to be careful about is that we can believe that no one gift is more needed than another. We need to remember that no one gift is more needed than another. Meaning, yes, you see in the New Testament, you see even the Apostle Paul say, earnestly seek for prophecy and earnestly desire, like you see him ask, ask for more, but each gift is equally necessary for the building up of the body. We can't do with one without, without, without one. We have to have them all. So if you're like, man, I don't wanna have a gift unless it's standing in front of people and preaching and that's the only way that God's gonna use me, you're, you're not being true to who God made you to be if that's not where he's gifting you. Every gift is important. And the reason why it's important for us to see it that way is because when someone is willing to be encouraging or to be service and we don't celebrate what God is doing them in the acts of service, if they're gifted in that way and we only celebrate, wow, someone was healed in this moment, then we're saying that this is more valuable than this. And that is just not what God says in scripture. There's equally valuable, equally important. And they all play a role in the body of Christ. And yes, God will use every single part. You know, we can get real, everyone's like, it's an overdone analogy, but the, the football team, right? Like if everyone was the quarterback, we wouldn't get very far. Every person has a role in the community of God. Every person plays a part and we're supposed to be submitted to that. And asking the Lord, how can I use this gift? Find community to walk around and say, hey, I feel like, I feel like God has gifted me in this. How do, I, how do I use this for the common good of the building up of the kingdom of God? This is what's expected of all of us. Another one is we, um, we, have, to, we have to recognize that gifts don't exist to prove to you what you believe or don't believe. Too often, many people will use the gifts as an idea. If you can give God, if I can see someone speak, if I can speak in tongues, then I'll believe in you. And that's just, that's just not how it's supposed to work. Now, I will admit that I know people that have experienced miraculous things and have submitted themselves to the Lord and he used that, but that's not the point. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're like, well, I guess I'm just not as spiritual as that other person. Or I'm just not, I'm not falling this way because God, if you will do this, then I'll believe in you. That's, that's putting God to a test that he tells us not to do. And, and here's the thing, guys. Of all the gifts that we could receive, prophecy, service, all the offices we could hold, apostles or teachers or elders, any of those things, of all, of all the activities, miraculous healing, all the things that we can do, the best gift that any one of us could ever receive is salvation in God through Jesus Christ. He owes us nothing else. Anything else is just icing on a beautiful cake. He's already made you right before him through Jesus Christ and said, man, you can stand holy and righteous and blameless before a God who you have no right standing before because Jesus Christ has done that for you. That's enough. And then God says, hey, no, hey, that is, but I wanna do more. I wanna show you more of who I am. I wanna bring more glory to my son, Jesus Christ. I wanna see you do what God is, is what I've created you to do with the gifting of the spirit of God who is living and dwelling in you and has been promised to work. It's the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead and you watch him do things. You know what Jesus says? Jesus says it's better for me to leave because you will do greater things than I did. I don't know about you, but I think walking on water was pretty stinking awesome, okay? Like, I, like I'm like, whoa, I'm not sure that I'm gonna do greater. All theologians agree that the greater is not greater in quality, but greater in quantity because Jesus was limited to one person. 
One of the ways that we can, we can bring about a characteristic God of omnipresent around everywhere is the church, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit all over the world. And we can do things. We can do far more than what Jesus could do because he was one person, limited himself, humbled himself as one person with the power of Spirit of God moving around that one area of land. And we can go all over the world today as his children, as little Christs, carrying the same Spirit of God, doing more than what even he did, healing and, and, and teaching and evangelizing. We can see so many beautiful and wonderful things happen by surrendering ourselves to the Spirit of God. Another thing that we have to be careful of is if you see, um, if you see in any way gifts dividing, if you're sitting across the table from another brother or sister and your discussion about gifts is dividing you, you've completely missed the point of gifts. Completely. The, the entire point of this same Spirit, same God, same Lord is to show that, that the, the gifts of the Spirit are supposed to be one of the most unifying things for the Church of Christ. How have we gotten, man, we've gotten so wrong. The gifts are, are supposed to be one of those things that, man, wow, you use this gift and I use this gift. Look what God did. And it wasn't even us doing it. It was the spirit of God in us. And look at how he's using this in the value of this person's life and bringing them to know Jesus in a, in a way that he never would have. And guys, it is incredible when we are willing to just submit ourselves to the working of the spirit of God. And he will do miraculous things that we cannot explain. I think one of the problems is that when we think about the gifts of the spirit, we always we always try to pigeonhole in what we think they're supposed to look like. And many of us in here, like I said, we're, maybe we're, we're, we, aren't, we wouldn't say we're cessationists. We wouldn't say that the, the gifts don't apply, but we practically operate as if they don't because we're just afraid of what they may or may not look like. Or we've seen them abused or misused in other people's lives or other denominations. And, and so we run from it. And, and many of us in here are, are on the side where it's like, no, the gifts have to be present in every single way. And I would almost call them like a, adrenaline junkies. We're looking for this, this like supernatural experience all the time. And if it's not there, we're afraid that like, wait, do I not know the Lord? And, and maybe I don't because I'm not seeing these gifts. And we, we kind of panic. And then there's a bunch of us in the middle. Let me share a personal story. When I went to the Philippines seven years ago, the first time I went, one of the people that was there with us was, I would say he pegged the charismatic, <laughs> the charismatic chart as far as you possibly could, okay? And, and as someone that would err a little bit more on reform side, I would admit at that point, I was a little bit like, yeah, that is all extra biblical terms. None of that's real. But he would say things like, yeah, so I woke up this morning and God told me to, to run left. And, and I was like, man, God has never told me to turn left when running. Like, he's just never done it. And I, like, I found myself like wrestling. And I, fortunately, one of the, our elders was there. He's a great mentor of mine. And he said, Brent, like, God speaks to us in many different ways. He speaks to every single one of us in different ways. And they say, yeah, I, I mean, I just, I've never had him like speak that directly. I mean, like, I would love to him to tell me to turn left. You know, that'd be awesome. And he's like, well, do you, ever, do you ever think of Scripture? Does Scripture ever come up? I'm like, oh, yeah, all the time. He's like, okay, why do you think that is? And I sat there and thought for a second. He's like, it's not because you're smarter because you read Scripture. What if the Spirit of God was trying to speak to you through that Scripture? And I was like, huh, I never thought of that. And he's like, well, then do this, Brent. Over the rest of this time, anytime a Scripture comes up to your mind, look at the people around you and share that Scripture to some extent and see what God does. I was like, oh, okay, good enough. And I had one story, and I'll share that one in the, in the coming weeks. And then near kind of the end of it, we were in Novotis, uh, which is where we have a team of 12 going in, in next month as well. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in the end of the service. But the, we were in Novotis. This is the very first time we were there. This is a really, really poor area. It's, it's, kinda, it's, it's just slummy and, and stinky. And there's the, the water kind of overflows in the high season, and it brings a bunch of sewage in. And so it's just, it just smells bad, and it's really dirty and gross. And when we were there, one of the guys on the, 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 the one guy on the team was like, hey, last time I was here, I was praying for Francisco. 
And he's, he was born blind, and he's in his 70s now, and he's, he's still blind. But last time we were praying, he started speaking in Tagalog, which is their, their, their native tongue, and he started speaking really fast. And he said he started seeing light variances. And so he was like, I think that God wants to heal him, so let's go pray for him. I was like, okay. And I've shared this story before, so some of you have heard this, and I'm like, okay, let's do this. And so I'm walking over there, and I'm, I kid you not, the whole way I'm walking, I'm like, yeah, this could happen. Yeah, this, yeah, this could happen. God could do that. Yeah, God could do that. Yeah, there's no reason why he couldn't. There's no reason why he couldn't. Yeah, I believe. Okay, God, help my unbelief. And the whole way I'm trying to talk myself into, God can heal someone in front of me, and I can see it happen. And if he doesn't heal someone, like, that doesn't change my faith in him. He's still real. And I'm, like, doing this whole inner monologue. We get over there. We kind of get in this, this hut, like, house. They're not really houses. like a shell, and there's dirt and, and a bunch of stuff. And we kind of all just kind of pile in, and we're in there. And, and I'm kind of standing in the back where everyone's praying and, and they, they get ready, okay, he says, this we're gonna do, we're gonna pray for the light. And people are like, oh yeah, we're so excited. And there's some people that are there like, oh yeah, we're gonna see healing, we're super excited. And some are like, even I had one woman, she's like, I have the gift of healing, so we're just gonna see this happen. I'm like, man, I just, I've never, I, I want that, but okay, cool. And so we're sitting there and they go to start praying. And I kid you not, the whole time they're praying, I can see their mouths moving, but all I hear is John 9 going through my head. The story of Jesus spitting in the mud, stirring it up, and then creating a little saliva, and then washing that over the eyes of the blind people, right? That's all I can hear. It's just going through my head, and I see their mouth, and I'm like, what? That's crazy. Like, that's crazy. And then I remember what Dale said to me. I was like, oh, the scripture. No, no way. Like, if I, if I, no, no, come on now. If I do that, the poor man's gonna get infection on his eye, and then he's gonna die of that. Like, this is horrible. Can't do that. And so I'm standing there going, there's no way. There's no way that this is what he wants to do. Like, this makes no sense at all. It's outside of my experience. But I remember like, okay, I'm supposed to do it. So I kind of collect myself, kind of step back in the room because I was just kind of standing out the door. And I'm there. Oh yeah, I can hear him praying. And then pretty soon it goes away. And then all I hear is Jesus. I'm like, good night. (sighs) All right. Now here's what you need to know. Again, in the Philippines, it's mostly dirt. In Novotis, it's mostly sewage dirt. Okay, so it's not really clean dirt at all. And so, and it was that nice pack down stuff. So it wasn't like I could go over there and, like just kind of pick up some dirt and then spit in it. No, I had to take my fingernails and start scraping that stuff. So I'm scraping the kind of sewage dirt, right? And I'm like gagging and I'm doing this and I kind of get this stuff in my thing and I spit on it and it's like smells horrible and I, I rub it together and I'm like, oh, that's horrible. Like I can't put this on Francisco's eyes. The poor dude's gonna get sick. And so I, I step back in and I'm like, oh, I can hear him praying. Oh, this is just for my obedience. okay. That was fun. Thank you, Lord, right? And so I'm standing there like, okay, great. And then sure enough, it starts going away again. All I hear over and over again. I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to walk over to this 70-year-old man with this poop mud in my hands and rub it on his eyes and hope that nothing bad happens but that he can see afterwards. And so I'm like, okay, excuse me, you know, stepping over. I'm like, oh, you might want to wipe that off your shoulder. Like, that's the you know? So I, I get all the way over to him and I'm like, okay, Francisco, can someone turn to John 9, please? And so someone turns to John 9. I'm like, great, can you, can you read this scripture, uh, Francisco? And I'm like kind of like nervous. I'm like, I think this has more to do with me than it does you. But either way, I'm gonna go ahead and do this. And so like they read the scripture and, and then I, you know, I, I put the mud on his eyes, the mud, right? And I put it on his eyes and, and then I walk back out and I kind of like have my head down and I'm like, that was so awkward. And I get back there and I stand. I'm like, all right, Lord, now I can hear everyone praying. And I'm like, all right, that was weird. And then all of a sudden he starts speaking. Like, start speaking faster and faster and faster. And I was like, what's he saying? What's he saying? What's he saying? And Pastor William's like, he needs to go to the bathroom. And I was like, oh, awesome. That was great. And so he goes to the bathroom, still can't see. And I'm walking back, totally dejected, going, I must not have heard the Lord. The Lord doesn't speak to me. Okay. And so I move my way back and I walk back and I, I finally wash my hands and get the stuff out of my fingernails, which took some time. And, I, you know, I'm sitting there in the room and I'm just like, man, I don't know. I have no idea what that was about. I thought I was going to see the gift of healing. I thought the Lord was going to show up in a mighty way and the Spirit was going to do something incredible. 
And then Pastor William, who, by the way, the first time I met him was that morning, says, hey, Brent, can I, can I talk to you real quick? I'm like, oh, great. He's going to tell me I'm in trouble. Like, hey, we need to get some antibiotics for Francisco's eyes because he's got, he's got an infection and the maggots are growing out of it. Like, I was like, great. You know, what's going to happen? He pulls me aside. And he says, Brent, I want you to hear something. And it's very important to hear this. I prayed for 25 years for a pastor like you, someone who was submitted to the Lord that could partner with us and do what we feel like God wants us to do here. And I just lost it. I was like, I was like, William, 25 years ago, I didn't even follow the Lord. I wasn't even a submitted follower. I was like, I was a complete selfish teenage punk 25 years ago. And he said, well, praise God that he saved you. And I'm so excited to see what God does as we partner together for his kingdom and his glory. And guys, I was wrecked, right? Because I went into it going, spirit, show up in a mighty way. And boy, did he, guys. As you realize, like, this is our seventh year of partnering with, with Pastor William and Mercy in, in the Philippines, and God is doing amazing things. And it was, it was a moment of me submitting to what I heard the Spirit say, and I wanted to see this. I really did. I was like, man, just heal him. Let me see it. Instead, he showed me something, in my mind, far better. When the Spirit works, he creates order. And a lot of times, if we go in with our presuppositions of what this is what it's supposed to look like, and we aren't submitted to Scripture and aren't submitted to God and aren't submitted to the Spirit, guys, we miss what God is wanting to do. And there are many of you today, you're clinging to that, that playground equipment because you're so afraid of the cliffs. You're so afraid of what it might mean to, to give yourself that there actually could be an outpouring of the Spirit in your life and the gifts might show up in some way that you're clinging on because you're just afraid because it's not outside your experience and you don't know what you're gonna do. And I just want, I want, this, I want you to be encouraged that the Scripture that through the 12 through 14 allows us to loosen our grip and to let go. He has a fence for us. The scriptures are very clear. Yes, people have gone way over the fence and way beyond that, but that is not what the scriptures teach. And so I wanna encourage you. I wanna encourage you to loosen your grip, to look and say, God, what, what, what are you gonna do through me? If you're here today and you're like, man, I, I, I am a sensationist, then I wanna encourage you, ask the Lord to show you in scripture why you hold that view. Not in experience, in scripture. And if you're here today and you're like, man, I'm just too scared. I don't know what this means or I've seen it misused. Then I want you to ask the Lord, God, show me how this can be done for the greater good as the common good of all, which is what the scripture says. And if you're here today and you're like, man, about time, we're gonna start doing some gifts. We're gonna see some miracle things. Don't chase the miracle, chase the Lord. And let the Lord do the miraculous things and give him all credit. Let those guardrails be there. And that's what this scripture does. That's what this book does for us. The, the band's gonna come up and we're gonna worship some more. And we're going to spend the next couple months working through Scripture. I'll share a few other stories where I have seen God do some incredible things. And I believe that God is living and active. His Word is living and active, and His Spirit is alive in each of you that follow Him today. And He is excited to do things through you where Jesus gets the glory. And so would we be a people that are submitted to that? Would we be people that aren't afraid of, of letting go of whatever we're holding on to because we're afraid of the, the misuse of it? Would we be a people that, that would be willing to say, I'm not gonna put my presuppositions in place. I'm not gonna let what I believed about the gifts dictate what scripture says. Instead, I'm gonna submit myself to the Lord. I'm gonna say, Spirit of God, teach me how these can be used in a biblical, healthy way that is for the common good of the whole church. Where I don't idolize the gifts, I worship the God who gives the gifts. Father, we thank you for the ability to have gifts. We thank you for your willingness to, to give us your spirit so that we can even operate inside those gifts, God. God, for the individuals that are here today, if they have been 
a part of, of maybe a charismatic background that is just has totally misused or abused or divided the church because of gifts. God, I pray that they wouldn't run from the gifts because of the misuse of them, but instead would run to you in the scripture so that they could see the gifts used in a beautiful way for the common good of the church. God, for the individuals that are here today that are too afraid of gifts or their experiences, it's outside their experience, they don't know what to do with it, and so they're, they're afraid to even see it or they've seen... Um, People misuse it, and for that reason, they just don't believe they're around. God, would you give them the, the courage to look at you and your scriptures and see how your spirit can work and move in everyone? And God, for your church here, I pray that all of us would be actively praying, Lord, show us where you want us to serve. Show us where you want to, to make the miraculous happen where we can give you the glory for it, God. God, help us to see the value in every gift. And Lord, I pray that we as a church would look the way you commanded us to look so that people see the way we operate inside of these giftings and they go, I want to be a part of that God. I want to know that Jesus and I want to live with that spirit. God, for the individuals that are here that don't know you, they're still questioning their faith or they, they maybe have spent a lot of time in the church and they're just not sure about that. God, we, we have the, the baptismal here today for even a chance to, to profess that. God, I pray that you give them courage to submit their lives to you. That Romans 10, 9 confession, Jesus is Lord God, I pray that you would help um, them to see that there is only hope and joy that comes in you. And God, the way that the church has maybe uh, shown division, God, I, I pray that this would be an encouragement to those that are here that don't know you, seeing that this is actually meant to be a unifying thing. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for all you're doing. And God, I look forward, I look forward to being a part of a body where the gifts are appropriately ordered, are used for the glory of Jesus and miraculous upon miraculous upon miraculous upon miraculous thing happens where everyone is shaking their head and saying, only God, only God, only God. We love you, Jesus. We pray all this in your name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit revolution22.org. We encourage you to not neglect meeting together as believers. And may you continue to love God and love others.